Hello, everyone. This is Father Bill Nicholas, and this is Faith, Hope, and History. Greetings and welcome, everybody. It is Friday, March 18th, 2022. It was on this day in 1965 that Russian cosmonaut Alexei Lenov of the spaceship Vlashkod 2 became the first man to walk in space. But yesterday was St. Patrick's Day, March 17th. It was on that day in 1863, Confederate Civil War hero Major John Pelham age 24, was killed at the Battle of Kelly's Ford, an example of a war that our nation fought in which children or very young people did in fact fight. There were young boys who were drummer boys, but John Pelham was only 24 years old when he was killed at the rank of major. But on St. Patrick's Day, um, I'm going to break form here. Usually I'll speak of the current events of that day, but as yesterday was St. Patrick's Day, I always like to make a few comments about uh, the importance of St. Patrick to many, many dioceses and parishes in the United States. I'm here in the Archdiocese of San Francisco. I grew up in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, and we are just adjacent here to the Diocese of Sacramento. And of all three of those dioceses, For L.A. and San Francisco, St. Patrick is a co-patron of the Archdiocese, and in Sacramento, he is a principal patron. And you could probably say that for a number of dioceses and archdioceses throughout the country. St. Patrick is very well known. The seminary here in the Archdiocese of San Francisco is St. Patrick's Seminary. And why is Patrick so popular? Very simply because of the large Irish immigration that took place in the 1800s, of which many of the clergy came to serve in parishes here in the United States. And many people remember the stereotypical old Irish priest. Some remember them fondly, some have varying opinions of them, but it's undeniable that the old Irish priest is almost a mythological staple image in the United States and in many places throughout the world. There's a gentleman in this parish who is from Nigeria who said he was baptized by an Irish priest because the Irish priests in droves left their country along with many of their people to go and live in other nations, nations that they would eventually call call home. And I'm told that there is no word in the Irish language for immigrant. The word they use is exile. If I'm incorrect, I'm sorry, but Having heard that, I thought that was striking because with the word exile, there's at least the expectation or the hope that one would return home. But that is not the case with the Irish. The Irish made homes of the places they emigrated to, many of which came to the United States. There's a story of uh, an Irishman who came to the United States and looking for work, going from job to job, found himself eventually living and working in the copper mines of Butte, Montana. And it was there that he planted his roots, was married, raised his family, but eventually moved away for other work in other parts of the country. He had originally left his home of Ireland to come to the United States. And the story goes that when he was dying, his family was gathered around him and they asked him, where would you like to be buried? And his answer, take me home and bury me in Butte, Butte, Montana, 
was his new home. That was where he had put down his roots and raised his family. That became his home. He who had initially left Ireland. And that's the story of many Irish people who came to this country. And it's a story of struggle, a struggle that you don't hear many Irish people talk about, unlike other ethnic groups in this country who love to remind the nation of their tragic past or their history of struggle in this country, the Irish too also struggled a great deal because there was a great deal of suspicion in the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant United States of the Catholic immigrants that came from Ireland and eventually from Italy, uh, subsequently many from Poland. Many were Catholic immigrants and the Protestant uh, majority were very wary of the loyalties of Catholics and where in the Deep South, especially after the Civil War, you saw such signs as help wanted white only. In the North, you would see signs or ads in papers, help wanted, no Irish need apply, because there was a discrimination against the Irish. But we don't hear about it that much, because the Irish were the great adapters. The Irish were the great uh, fighters who endured. They made a success in this country and set down their roots, and there are many in this nation who don't even know about that history because it's not spoken of as much. It's not obsessed over as much as other histories of other ethnic groups in this country. But the Irish did struggle. The Irish were discriminated against. There were great prejudices against the Irish Catholics, and the Irish succeeded nonetheless. It had its not-so-savory parts of its history, such as the Tammany Hall political machine, uh, was known for its uh, maneuverings and its shrewdness and its corruption. And many of the Irish politicians grew in power and didn't do much for the Irish people. It's a very complex history, very involved, but we remember the Irish immigrants in this country, but especially as a church, a Catholic church, we are greatly appreciative of the Irish priests who helped to run the parishes serve the people of this country, starting with their own Irish communities, but also other communities throughout the United States. We remember the old Irish priests, but through them, through that memory, we remember something that is also very important today. And that is not something that really we can brag about as a Catholic church in the United States. I suppose me as a Caucasian, half Irish, English-speaking, American-born citizen who was also a priest, I can make this observation But it's that we as a nation have always relied on foreign-born priests. The history of the Irish priests is a part of that. Today, we see other ethnic groups giving up their homeland to come and serve here in the United States and basically hold up the Catholic Church to serve our church, to save our church. We hear many people complaining about the foreign-born priests. We don't understand their English. Their accent is too strong. When in fact we should be grateful for them because we as Americans have done such a poor job in developing the church here in the United States to such an extent that it provides adequately its own vocations to maintain its own Catholic church here in the United States. And I believe very strongly that we should complain less about the foreign priests who are serving in our parishes and be very grateful to them for what they bring from their countries to come here in the United States and serve our parishes. And at one time, it was predominantly Irish. And we couldn't understand what they were saying either, in some cases. The Irish accent was also particularly strong. 
But today we are served by priests who come to us from Nigeria in Africa, from India, from Vietnam, Mexico, and especially from the Philippines. I have had the pleasure of serving with uh, at least three Filipino priests, one as pastor, one in residence, and another a fellow associate. And I've known a number of Filipino priests in serving as a priest here in San Francisco and in Los Angeles for a few years. And in many ways, the Irish have been replaced by these other countries who have sent their sons and their daughters as religious sisters to come and serve in the United States. Without them, we would have a true shortage of priests. We have a shortage enough as it is, but we would have an even bigger shortage of priests because we, while at the, uh, on the one hand, we could say that as a nation, we are of the first world. We are a major superpower in the world, a major economic and military power. But as a Catholic church in the United States, in many ways, we are still a missionary church. We need missionaries to come and serve us in this country because Americans have done such a poor job in providing for their own vocations. And Catholics, in many ways in this country, take for granted that there will always be a priest to serve in their parishes. So they don't encourage their sons to be priests. They don't foster vocations among their children to the priesthood and the religious life religious brothers and sisters. They simply take for granted that there will always be a priest in their parish and have taken up merely complaining about the foreign-born priests whose accents make their English hard to understand. Some have even complained to me, an American-born, English-speaking priest. And I simply say, well, send us your sons. Send us your American-born sons. And we won't need to rely on the immense generosity of the foreign priests who come to serve in our parishes. They would always be welcome, but we perhaps wouldn't see as many of them. I, for one, am grateful for them, but I say this to people in response to their complaining. How many of your children have you encouraged to be priests? And I have known a number of very strong Catholic American families in some cases with many children, 12 children in, in some cases, 10 children in other cases, very strong Catholic families. Not one of them that I have known have provided a priest or a religious brother or sister for the church. I come from a family of four, and I chose to serve as a priest, answering a call I believe came from God. But I can't be convinced that there is such a dearth of vocations within the church in the United States. We are the largest single denomination in the United States. We are far and vastly outnumbered by all the non-Catholic Christian denominations, the Protestant denominations. You combine them all and they vastly outnumber the Catholics. But as an individual denomination, Catholics are the largest in the United States, but we cannot provide for our own vocations. We have had to rely on foreign-born priests, foreign-born religious brothers and sisters. And I am not complaining. I am grateful for that. But when people do complain because of accents or because of a lack of knowledge of our culture here in the United States, I simply remind them, 
How many of your children did you encourage to be priests and religious? And on St. Patrick's Day, we remember the impact of Patrick and the conversion of Ireland. We remember the strength of the Catholic faith in Ireland, which unfortunately in recent decades is weakening. But we also remember the large number of Irish priests, of Irish brothers and sisters who have come to serve not only the United States, but the church throughout the world. And we need to acknowledge that in our appreciation of the Irish on this St. Patrick's Day, but also of the other foreign-born priests who give up their home to come and serve the church in the United States and hopefully see that, A, through the eyes of gratitude, but B, with a resolve that we as a nation need to start stepping up. When are we going to send priests to other countries to provide service to the Catholic Church in those countries? There may be a handful priests from this country who join missionary orders, such as the Mary Knoll priests, American sisters who join, say, Mother Teresa's missionaries of charity who serve in other countries. But I'm talking regular parish service. Our country doesn't hold a candle to the Irish, to the Filipinos, to the Vietnamese, to those coming from Africa, especially Nigeria, to those coming from Mexico to serve in this country. But we could be. And we remember that on this day. We remember the luck of the Irish. We remember the generosity of the Irish. And we remember the impact that the Irish had in the development of this country, especially in the 1800s and up to the present time. And so, even though it's the day after St. Patrick's Day, I thought it would be an important subject to discuss in this week's podcast, that perhaps when we see a foreign priest celebrating Mass in our parishes, when we recognize that maybe their English isn't as clear as we would like it to be, we might remember the history of this country, a missionary country, in which foreign priests have always saved our parishes, saved our diocese, saved our church, held up the Catholic Church in the United States, even though this was not their home. And in many ways it began with the influx of the Irish people, and the influx of Irish priests who served in our parishes. So let us be grateful for that. Let us express perhaps personally a word of gratitude to those priests who've come to our country to serve us here in the United States and minister to to us sacramentally. But let's also, for this St. Patrick's Day, yesterday, And for the Feast of St. Joseph tomorrow, who raised a son, who was our Messiah, that we as a nation begin to step up. And in raising our children, we obviously will not be raising children who are the Messiah, as Joseph did. But we will be the missionaries to the children of our Catholic parishes. Just as Patrick was a missionary to Ireland 
and as the Irish priests and other foreign priests are missionaries to us. Please be missionaries to your children, true missionaries of the faith and of the practice of that faith, so that when your children are old enough, they may seriously consider a vocation to the priest and the religious life. And we will see more men from this country entering the seminary to serve our parishes as priests, and more men and women from this country entering the religious life to serve our schools and other social services as religious sisters and brothers from this country as they work side by side with those who've joined us from other countries. But as a nation, we have a long way to go before we are an authentic church because a true church is able to maintain itself by providing for its own vocations, and the United States has not done that yet. Despite our greatness as a nation, the greatness, of, I believe, of our history, even with all its flaws and its overcoming of its flaws, the greatness of its economic power and influence throughout the world for liberty, justice, and we pray peace, we still have a long way to go when it comes to being a Catholic church in the United States. So let us offer our prayers to St. Patrick, whose feast was yesterday, St. Joseph, whose feast is tomorrow, that we may see a renaissance among Catholic families in this country. And from that renaissance of faith, we may see an increase in priests and religious, not taking for granted that they will always be there because other countries will simply provide for them, and we hope they continue to, but because we have fostered those vocations within our own families, within our own parishes people from the United States to serve the people of the United States, and who knows, perhaps enough may answer the call that we will now start providing missionaries to serve in these other countries that have been so generous in providing vocations to serve us here at home. So, happy St. Patrick's Day yesterday, happy St. Joseph's Day tomorrow. Pray for vocations, show gratitude to the foreign-born priests who are serving in our parishes, Thank you for listening, and with any luck, I will talk to you again soon.